Shalom, everyone. I know last time I spoke, I told everybody I was going to do the Minor Prophets, and I'm still going to do it. Don't worry. I'm still going to do it. But I figured we could always use a lesson on loving your neighbor. And even though a lot of people are isolated, self-isolated, sick, all kinds of different situations, there are still ways that you can love your neighbor. And, you know, we'll all maybe getting a little rusty with our social skills being locked up for so long. So let's give you a little refresher course before we are released back into the wild. You know what I mean? So you all bow your heads with me and we'll say a prayer. Heavenly Father Yahweh, we come before you on your beautiful Sabbath day. We, we thank you so much for this beautiful weather. We thank you for the, the friends and the family we have both here and online. And we just thank you so much for the blessings that we take for granted every single day, Father. And we pray that you just bless us with, with this rest on the Sabbath day. Bless the words that come forth, that they be of you. And if they aren't, just let them be ignored. And Father, we just pray that this is a blessing to you and a blessing to us. And we thank you for everything in Yahshua's name. Hallelujah. Let's see if we got this thing working here. Hey, great. Time to go back, though. All right, so love your neighbors yourself. We've all heard this lesson a million times throughout our lives. And yet we still live in a world full of angry, sad, miserable people. I mean, you see it if, if you're stuck at home. And if you're watching TV, you know what I'm talking about. This is all, everybody's just miserable, except for the commercials. The commercials are all telling you, oh, we're all in this together. We can do this. But then you watch anything but the commercials. It's only because they're trying to sell you something. But if you watch TV, you know that, you know, it's all doom and gloom. So I was hoping to give a positive message today. And so why is it that we see a world full of sad, angry, malicious people, despite what is being preached the world over? I mean, you hear about love this and love that. Oh, we all just have to get along. We're all in this together. Except for if you go outside, then shame on you. So what gives? Why are there so much contention in a world where love and acceptance is preached from the rooftops? That's another thing we hear about is acceptance. You have to accept this person for the way they are or who they think they are or whatever. And if you don't, shame on you. Well, there are many reasons, but the most prevalent seems to be that mankind has forgotten what it means to love. I mean, like real love. Put your life on the line for the sake of another type of love. But how do you get back to that point? How do you undo years of animosity and strife that's been woven into the fabric of the world? Well, first we have to figure out what love is. Um, Pastor Randy gave some excellent messages on uh, the fruits of the Spirit. And love is included in that, obviously. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Over in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Therefore, as Elohim... Elohim's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as Yahweh forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. As Pastor Randy said in, in, in the sum of his message, 
over his, the Fruits of the Spirit series he did, love is the glue that holds all of these things together. You can, if you have any one of those things but you don't have love, then it's null and void. Second, we've established what love is. Now you have to establish who the neighbor is. Who is your neighbor? A lot of people take the word neighbor, I think, a little bit too seriously. And sometimes not seriously enough. But some will take it to mean your literal neighbor. And that's true. It is true. The guy next door to you is your neighbor. However, it's not exclusive to that definition. Your neighbor is anyone you happen across in your life who needs your kindness and compassion. How do we know this? Well, Yahweh has commanded that we love the stranger among us since the beginning. This is nothing new. Over in Leviticus 19, verses 17 through 18, Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. Now, some people will say, well, it says right there, rebuke your neighbor. Well, to rebuke someone's not necessarily a bad thing, especially if they're in error. But it says to do it frankly. Be prompt about it. Don't drag it out. It's like a Band-Aid. Just get it over with. Fix the problem and move on. But you're not to seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. And that includes a stranger who may not be of our faith. Yahweh's been beating this drum for a very, very long time. When the Messiah asked this question, who is my, when, when the Messiah was asked this question, I should say, who is my neighbor? The Messiah gave one of his most famous parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan defines what it means to love your neighbor, and the neighbor being the broad definition, not the, your next-door neighbor. Your neighbor is somebody who you are capable of helping. That is your neighbor. The parable of the Good Samaritan defines what it means to love your neighbor. In the story, the man is beaten by robbers and left half dead on the side of the road. While he lies helpless along the road, a priest sees the man and deliberately walks by on the other side of the road. I mean, I'll admit it. I've done something like that. Not necessarily a man beaten half dead, but I'll see something that I could potentially help with, and I just, you you know, walk to the other side of the road. That's not the right response. Later, a Levite responds in the same way when he sees the man dying. And Levites were, you know, they were highly respected because they, were a, they had a special role in Yahweh's, in Yahweh's plan. And I think it got to some of them. I think their, the pride got to some of them. And that's why you see some acting like this. And finally, a Samaritan sees the victim and responds. Now, in order for this story in this parable to hit home the way it should... You need to understand that there, were, there was a, a problem between the Samaritans and the Jews at the time. Whereas two Israelite leaders saw the person in need, so you had the, the priest and the Levite, they walked the other way, they looked the other way. The Samaritan personified neighborliness and showed mercy to someone with no regard for background, religion, or potential beliefs. He didn't know this guy from Adam. It was just a man hurt on the side of the road in need. The Samaritans and the Jews had a strained relationship at the time. 
And we see this in John chapter 4, verse 9. When the woman of Samaria asked him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So obviously this woman, this, this, this woman knew. They were like, what are you doing with me? I'm a, I'm a Samaritan woman. You have no dealings with me. Your people have no dealings with me. And over in um, Luke chapter 9, they didn't receive the Messiah when he traveled to Jerusalem. It says, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. So the idea that the Messiah put forth in this parable was a strange one. The idea of a Samaritan to stop helping to help anyone painted quite the picture at the time. Now, all this didn't stop the Messiah from using this example, because in the mind of an Israelite, if the Samaritans were capable of this love, then surely Yahweh's people were capable of it too, right? So now we're going to get into the meat of the message. I'm going to lay out ten attributes of love that we can utilize to improve the life of those around us, whether you're online or in person. Being online tends to give us a, uh, a false sense of security. That what you say online, don't, that, that doesn't count. Yeah, I called him a name, but it was online. Who cares? He doesn't know me. I don't know him. But it does. Every word that you think, every word you type, every word you say counts. You can use it for good or for bad. So, tip number one. Love is proactive. In the parable, when the Samaritan saw the victim, he went to him. The Samaritan was on his way somewhere, but he stopped when he saw the man in need. Now, we live in what we consider a fast-paced world, where it's easy to overlook the need of others. But if we learn from this parable, we will be careful to be aware of those who are around us. Who is Yahweh placing on your path to show this mercy, this kindness, this love to? Have you ever been in a situation where you see someone who's in need, you know they're in need, they may even be asking for help, but you find a way to weasel out of it one way or another. Whether it's legitimate or not, you find a reason not to help somebody. It could be someone close to you, it could be someone you've never met. The key to all of this is action. You have to take the first step. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks received, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. Again, the key to all this is action. You have to ask. You have to seek. You have to knock. We have to be proactive with Yahweh's word. He has set it all up for us. It's all there. But we have to do it. We have to take that step, that initial first step, and make that action happen. We have to ask. We have to seek. We have to knock. And if we do these things, he says, the door will be open unto you. Seek and you will find. 
Tip number two, love is observant. One of the first steps in being a good neighbor and loving others as yourself is noticing others around you. The Samaritan first saw the hurting man. Before he acted, he saw the hurting man. Luke 10.33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Granted, a beaten man on the road seems like a scene that's not that hard to notice. But Yahshua also shows us the importance of seeing people. So, in an interesting comparison here, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Yahshua sounds very similar to the Samaritan man seen here. When he, Yahshua, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. So how can you be prayerful and mindful of people in your life? Does this mean you should go out and seek people that are beaten and bloody on the side of the road? Maybe not. But if you see someone, especially who's beaten and bloody on the side of the road, you should probably stop and help them. So you don't go out looking for trouble. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But if you see someone who trouble has found, you can stop and you can help them. You've got to be willing to help if Yahweh puts those people in your path. And that's an extremely important thing. You have to be willing to help because Yahweh has blessings for those people and he gives specific warnings about different things like that. And I'll get to those in, in a little bit. Next, tip number three. Love is compassionate. In Luke 10, verse 34, it goes on to state that when the Samaritan saw the injured man, he had compassion on him, and he went towards the injured man and responded to his needs rather than simply feeling sorry for him. I mean, again, television, I feel like you can link this about a lot. There's a lot of things in life that are wrong that you can link to television. How many times have you seen the Sarah McLaughlin commercials with sad puppies and, they're crying, and everybody's just weeping and you've got in the arms of an angel playing and you just feel sorry for them. But that's typically where it stops. I mean, those are designed to trigger a response, sure, but a lot of times when we deal with people, feeling sorry is typically about as far as it gets. Luke 10, 34, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine and set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. How many times have we had an opportunity to help and didn't? Didn't take it and found yourself thinking about that situation later on. There's no mistakes with that. It's not a flaw in our wiring. Yahweh, Yahweh designed us this way with our conscience, with that still small voice in the back of your head that asking these questions, why on earth didn't I stop and help that person? What is wrong with me? I should have stopped. I should have stopped. There have been situations in my life going down the interstate, and I'll see somebody broke down who is clearly not capable of taking care of the situation they're in. And I just keep on going because I have somewhere to be. And it's important what I have to do. So you've got to ask yourself, how can you be active in showing that compassion to someone in need? If you're 10 minutes late for your meeting and you explain what happened, you know what? The rest is in Yahweh's hands. Sure, your boss may be mad, your wife or your husband may be upset, but they'll get over it. These are things that Yahweh will bless you for in the end. 
You don't have to wait for somebody to be beaten and left for dead to show this compassion. We can do little things here and there to show this compassion. The secret is being active in that compassion. Do you see a local brother or sister, a family member struggling with something? Your annoying little sister or big brother. Are they struggling with something? Offer the help. Sometimes all they need is the offer. To know that somebody cares, to know that somebody cared enough to stop and offer their help is a lot of times enough for people to just keep on going. We live in a really sad world where depression and suicide and things like that are so prevalent and honestly so overlooked. You hear it all the time, anxiety, depression, I'm thinking about suicide, and it's so sad because it is such an avoidable problem. Tip number four, love is responsive. When the Samaritan saw the man, he responded immediately to help meet his needs. He didn't say, hey, wait right here, I'll be right back. He said, hey, I, I got to go do this thing. I'll, I'll be back this evening. You just keep it together until I get back. That's not what he said. He stopped what he was doing, and he helped. Using the resources he had on hand. You may not have everything you need to make this person's life all the way better, but use what you got. Use what Yahweh's given you to help other people. And sometimes being kind doesn't come free. It didn't in this Samaritan's case. Many times it requires you to give of yourself in response to the needs at hand. Just like the Samaritan, we have to be willing to give of ourselves to help others. Have you noticed someone in need in your community, in your family, lately? How can you respond to that need? What can you give of yourself to make this pain, this suffering that they're in, less intense, to make life more bearable, to show that love of Yahweh, to be that light on the hill for people. What can you do? No matter how small you think it is, it doesn't take much to light a fire. If you've got a stray spark, that's all you need to set the whole thing ablaze. There's a great example of this. I'm not going to call names, call out names. I'm not call names either, but I'm not going to call out individuals. But there are some members that have started, a, I think it's, it's an amazing thing, with a local, it's a local charity, I'll call it that, it's a local charity, help those who are in need, and they put coats on racks, they encourage these businesses to set these coat racks outside of these businesses, on the sidewalk or wherever, and some inside, to put people who have extra coats, they don't want any more coats they've outgrown, coats their children have outgrown, to just sit them on the racks, and whoever needs them, takes them. It doesn't seem like much, you know, I've got two or three coats sitting in my closet that I never wear. However, such a simple thing could literally save a life, especially in these cold, wet Missouri winters we have. Right now, it's not too bad. It's quite nice. But when our winters are bad, they're really bad. And I even know somebody who took it a step further. He went to all of these places and he put a few dollars in each pocket of each of these jackets. It's not much, but you know what? If you're somebody who's cold and you're hungry, a coat with $5 in the pocket can change everything for you. It could change your whole outlook on how people perceive you if you are in need. Like I said, it isn't much, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be much. You don't have to go out 
well, with the sounding of trumpets, like Scripture says. Next slide. Next tip. Love is often costly. Not always, but often it is. When the Samaritan tended to the victim's wounds, he gave of his own resources. One of the most valuable resources we have on this planet is time. Loving your neighbor not only costs the Samaritan at least two days' wages, but also his time. Luke 10.35, On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. I remember back when I was in youth camp. It was one of the first ones. Before it was big enough that we could really do anything because we had a very limited group. We had very limited in, like resources. And so one of the ideas, I don't remember how it came up with it, but it's, I think it's a great thing, was they put together these things called blessing bags. Blessing bags. And what it was is we took some money and we bought some socks, toothbrushes, toothpaste, soap, etc. Just made little blessing bags that contained a small note from the youth who put it together. You know, you are loved. Yahweh loves you. Don't give up. Little, little things like that, little daily necessities that we take for granted all the time that these people may or may not have access to. Put it together. And then we went around. We didn't tell them to put it in their cars and then give them away because what would happen is we'd make this nice little bag and it'd sit in their back seat because it wouldn't be awkward. Youth are like that. I was one of them. But we went out and we actively gave them away. We, we sought people to help in that, in that situation. But in this, but in this case, you know, that's a fine thing too. If you want to go help somebody, then go help them. But something so simple as a, as a note and some fresh socks and some toothpaste and a toothbrush can change somebody's life. It can be a good thing. And who knows, maybe they've given up on faith, maybe they've given up on people. And you show them a blessing of your faith that could reignite their own faith and keep put them back on a path to righteousness. It wasn't much, but then again, we didn't have much. And I understand that there are people out there that, who may have the desire to help them, may not have much, and that's perfectly fine. The widow gave two mites, and she gave more than everybody. So don't take your lack of stature or your lack of your situation you're in as a reason or excuse not to be a blessing to somebody. Yahweh has given us resources so that we can be a blessing to others. What resources have Yahweh given you to bless others? These are just little ways to get children involved, to help them understand the importance of charity and love and kindness. And the, the look on some of these people's faces, I know the youth around here, the little kids around here have done little things like this, but when children get involved... It's a whole other level. And I think Yahweh sees that as well. Next tip. Number six. Love is inopportune. Imagine trying to lift an injured man with no, with no clothes onto a donkey. That was not a convenient task. And likely, it was probably pretty messy given the man's injuries. The Samaritan physically had to support the man's weight by himself. And yet... 
he set the man on his animal to take him off to a place of safety. When's the last time you saw a mother stranded on the side of the road with a flat tire right when you were looking for one to help? It never happens. It never happens unless you do it every single day all the time. Oftentimes, you're on your way to do something. A lot of times, you're dressed up. You may have nice clothes on. It was something that my dad did. It only happened once or twice because, again, it doesn't happen when you're looking for it. It happens when you aren't looking for it. We were on our way home from services. It was a Sabbath evening on our way home from services, and I was too young to do anything, mind you. I was maybe 10 or 11, so I could stand around and hold a flashlight for Dad. But he would, if we saw somebody, especially a woman, we would pull over and we would stop and help them. Now, again, it didn't happen every time, but I remember that very vividly. I remember things like that that happened very vividly because it kind of, he set the standard very high. And I think that Yahweh's standard is high as well. I think people talk themselves into believing that it's not, but Yahweh has high standards. It's the reason why his son was the only one good enough to give himself for us. Our love is defined by the lengths we're willing to give it. How far are we willing to go to express that love to somebody? You could have what you call a heart overflowing, oh, I'm just, I love everybody so much. But if you, don't, if you don't act on that love and go do something with that love, you're, you're kidding yourself. The only one you're not fooling is Yahweh. Other people may believe it, but again, if you don't act on that love, it's, it's a waste of time. How have you been benefited by somebody going out of their way for you? Think about that. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody could have passed you by, but they didn't, and they took it upon themselves to care for you, to make sure you were okay, to make sure you were safe and, and, and fed or whatever it was? Remember that feeling. There are ways you can show love to your neighbor, even if it's convenient or not a good time. Next tip, number seven, love is healing. Back in 1034, if you can't tell, the Good Samaritan is kind of the uh, crux of this, the centerpiece of this message. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. This kind of goes in with, you know, giving of your own resources, but it goes farther than that. After the Samaritan man binds the wounds of the man, he continues his care by taking him to an inn and looking after him. When your parents bring you into this world, do they demonstrate the love Yahweh expects by simply saying it? Is it enough to have a child, bring a child into this world, and only tell them you love them? Or do you have to do something with it? Do you have to have that action and that compassion, action and that love, and show your children that you love them? Your parents feed you, they clothe you, they hold you when you're sad, when you're crying, they bind your wounds, and they pick you up when you fall. There are countless ways we can show love to those who need it. And a healing that comes with that type of compassion is incredible. It's no small task, obviously, but whoever said it was. Nowhere is it said that any of this is easy. Did it say the Samaritan did all this and didn't break a sweat? No. 
It doesn't. He was probably covered in dirt and grime and blood and sweat and tears. And it cost him money. I mean, that's a pretty incredible situation that this person was put into. Nobody ever said it was easy. Tip number eight. Love is sacrificial. The Samaritan gave two denarii to the innkeeper, which is approximately two days' worth of wages. Yet the only instruction he gave is to take care of the wounded man. There was no payback expected in return. Now, it's a wonderful thing when someone you've helped gives you a heartfelt thanks. It's not a requirement, though. If you stop and you give of yourself, your time, your money, your strength, and as somebody, I've done it, somebody you stopped to help, and, you, and you're like, you're sitting there waiting with bated breath. You're like, all right, here it comes. He's going to thank me. And it never comes. And they just kind of go about their way. You know what? That's okay. It's not about him thanking you. It's not about him repaying you and stroking your ego or giving you some sort of praise or putting you on a pedestal or saying, it's clapping for you or weeping for you. It's not about any of that. The service to others and the commitment to do so is about what Yahshua has done for us already. What else is there? If we didn't have him, none of this, no matter how hard we try, would be for anything. This is all about reciprocating the love that he gave to us, which we can never match. We can never match it. We can only strive to do so and show him that we are striving and struggling to be worthy of the calling. Did the Messiah do what he did for his own reward? Was he hanging up on the tree and said, come on. I did this for you and you guys are spitting and mocking me? Come on. Where's my thanks? He didn't say, obviously, he didn't say any of that. He held his peace. He didn't say anything. When he was being persecuted and judged and whipped and beaten and all these other horrible things, he held his peace. He did what he did because he loved his father, loves his father, and his people completely. What sacrifices can you make? Obviously, Yahshua is the gold standard. He is the platinum, the diamond standard. He is the end all of standards. But what can you do to show that love? Yahshua said, he who does the, to the least of these, he has done to me. So even the person who seems of low consequence, you better be careful. If you have an opportunity to express that love that Yahshua expressed for us, and you don't take it, you will have to answer for that. We all will. Next tip. Love is communal. Now, I don't want you to think that this is it takes a village to raise a child type of thing. I am saying the body of Messiah can work together to these ends. The care for an injured man did not end when the Samaritan had to leave. He brought in the innkeeper. 
He entrusted the care to the innkeeper. When we love a neighbor, the Samaritan shows us that it's good and sometimes necessary to involve others in the process. A lot of times, I think some people, you'll see it, especially these days, people want to go out and do good on their own for the sake of themselves and for publicity or whatever it is. And a lot of times, we'll make excuses for ourselves. I'm not going to help that person. I can't handle that. There's no way I can do that. How am I supposed to give up my wages and do this and do that? Well, you don't have to do it alone. Bring in other people. Get together. Work together to make this happen. And let's be honest. The work of loving one another is made much lighter when we work together. It's a lot harder to love a group of people when they all hate you. But if you all love one another and you're all working together, if I go out of my way to be a pain, it's going to make your job of loving me a whole lot harder. But if I work to make it easy to love me, and you work to make it easy to love you, and we all work together to make it easy to love us, then our love going out will be so much easier. And this is important because we're the body of Messiah. The body of Messiah is made up of many members, some fingers, some toes, eyes, mouth, nose, hair, legs, arms. I mean, the body, if the hand is trying to do a good deed and the arm is not cooperating, it makes getting the deed done ten times harder and sometimes impossible. As the body of Messiah, we have to work together towards these ends. Hebrews 10, verse 24 through 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider one another, so think about each other, in order to stir up love and good works. We have to get together. We have to work together to make, what's the, the old, what is the saying? I've heard it. Um, be the change you want to see in the world. That's a very, very true statement. There's so much more we can do as a group, as a body, than we can as individual members. And it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, and we know, everybody knows people like this, who are, willfully out on their own and thinking they can just do this on their own, not understanding the burden that they are carrying upon themselves. Now, I understand, for those of you online who may be around the world or hundreds or thousands of miles away from people, totally different situation. But there are those who are 10 minutes away, 20 minutes away, who I've never seen here. I've never seen anywhere with anything. But they'll, they'll communicate online, which I guess it's better than nothing. But if it wasn't for the Internet, which the Internet won't always be around, folks. You have to build these relationships with the body of Messiah while you can. Take that step. I understand it's a hard one. Some people don't like meeting new people, but you're going to get to know them one way or another. Romans 
12, 16, be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Don't be conceited. If you see somebody who's struggling, maybe you know somebody who you know is not living their life the right way, who's a prideful, arrogant person, but they're struggling. Guess what? None of that matters. They're struggling. You have to do what you can to help them, at least a little bit. I understand you're not supposed to set your pearls before swine, but you can also use some discernment. You're to bless those who curse you. What can we do to show that love to somebody? That's the main question. What can we do? Next tip. The last tip. And I got a little bit more. Love is promising. When the Samaritan left him in the inn, He told the innkeeper that he would pay for any other expenses when he returned. The Samaritan owed nothing to the victim, yet he promised to return and cover the cost of any extra care that that man needed. When we love others, the Samaritan shows us follow-through in our care, even if we're not obligated to them. Now, it's a good thing our Messiah had some (laughs) follow-through. He walked around his whole life preaching love. He walked around his whole life. Compassion, love, mercy, the kingdom of Yahweh is at hand. But when it came down to it, and it came time for the rubber to meet the road, he had follow through. And that is the key. You have to have that follow through, that action. When we reach out to a brother or sister in need, it's important that we follow out, follow through with them. To check up on them. Let them know that we are still here. Yes, we changed your flat tire. Yes, we helped you move. But guess what? Our friendship and our love for you doesn't end there. We still care about you. You may not realize that you can be a rock for people. Just like the Messiah is our rock. We can always go to him. And we are to walk as he walked. So how is it that we can live our lives and nobody can count on us for anything? He did it perfectly as our example. He's not our excuse. He's our example. We have to be able to be willing to be that rock for people. And believe me, no burden anybody can give you can compare anything to what the Messiah went through. Oh, you need to help somebody move? You need to to give up $10 or $15 or some of your time a weekend? Oh, no. It really, if you stand back and you really look at the world around you and what Yahweh's plan is, our woes and grievances are so petty. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. This goes back to what I was saying about the body of Messiah working together. If we help each other, these things, these burdens we're trying to lift off of people and show them the love and compassion of Messiah, if we do this together, over time it gets easier. You become more willing, you become more able to do these things. Why? Because Yahweh continually blesses those people who do these things for the right reason. 
Is there somebody out there who you may have helped that you haven't talked to in a while? Follow up. Send them a message. Something as simple as a text message or an online message or a phone call or a voicemail. Anything just to let them know, you know what, I've been thinking about you and I want to know you're okay. Can make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. It's important that we do all these things. But we have to remember that love is also humble. It does not seek the limelight. Too often, and I know you guys have seen them because they love to play them everywhere. People doing good deeds and incredible things for people, all while they're in front of a camera. While the blessings they give are real, there's no taking that away. If a guy walks up to a homeless man and gives him $15,000, that's a real blessing that guy bestowed on him. But the person who gave it, his blessing ends right there. That's it. And not only that, but they won't reciprocate that blessing. It'll be gone. If somebody goes and does a good deed in the name of their ego or selfish praise and glory, forget about it. Yahweh doesn't want any, They have received their reward in full, Scripture says. This is uh, explained in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may receive the glory of men. Sure, assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and that your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Messiah gave us an example of that again. I, didn't, I don't have it on the slide. The crowd was coming toward him, and there was a man in a need, somebody in need of healing. And he was like, Ooh. He got it done before the crowd showed up. Yahshua was an amazing, was an amazing individual. You can look to him for an example for nearly every single aspect of your life. Yahweh knows what he's doing. There's a reason why he says this. His love is cyclical. It always returns and brings with it blessings. Yahweh says concerning tithing, this is just one small part of it. Test me in this and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you. He will provide all we need. In turn, we can show that very same love to those who need it and further advance the work of Yahweh's kingdom. If Yahweh, if we live our lives as Yahweh commands, he will provide for us and those he places in our path. He will provide for you and them, through you. Matthew 6. Verse 31 through 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Now, this may not be through any fault of their own, mind you. They may not understand. They may be ignorant to what Yahweh says. 
which is why you usually see people on the side of the road, cold, homeless, hungry. They're worried about what they should eat and what they should drink and what they should wear. We have to show them that Yahweh will provide. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of Elohim and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Again, we have to seek the kingdom of Yahweh before he gives us these blessings. Before he provides, we have to do the seeking. By simply being proactive in our faith, Yahweh will provide these things we need through his goodness and provision. And we will be able to help those who need it. These things are important, not just because there are those in this world who are in need and can be helped, but we don't know who these people are. And that's a small but important factor. Over in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing this, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read scriptures, I have a feeling the angels, have t- they're tied in pretty close with Yahweh. And if we don't go out of our way to help these people, now, they very well could be people. That's fine, too. But you have these, these angels... Who could be one of those people? And I got to tell you, helping an angel probably won't look too bad on your resume. Your application for the kingdom. We should help anyone who needs it. Not just because there's a potential there being an angel. That's not the reason you do it. It's more about if you don't help them. That could be your problem. Let's remember the gifts and blessings that Yahweh gives us every single day. Even if just our audience, just those in the room, those online, a fraction of a fraction of the world were to just do one good deed, help one person in one way or another, we could help hundreds, thousands. I know it seems like the, part, the role you play may seem insignificant. But you're wrong. Yahweh loves us each individually. He gave his son for each of us individually. That's a huge thing. It's easy to stand and say, oh, well, I'm part of the crowd. He sacrificed his son for all of us. And, that, and it's true, he did. But that mindset lessens, it cheapens his sacrifice. Yeshua gave everything for you. We have a beautiful faith. We have the beautiful word of Yahweh. Yahweh will provide. And sometimes he may provide you with somebody that is in need. Don't ignore that. It's important to remember these things. Be active in your love for one another. Be active in your compassion. Be active in your mercy. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Well, I pray that Yahweh be with everybody watching online, 
both now and in the future. And I pray that this message has been a blessing. And I pray that we exercise this love, exercise this faith that we have. It's a one-of-a-kind faith. And we have a one-of-a-kind Elohim in our corner. And we have a Savior that backs it all up. May Yahweh bless you.